Welcome to Off the Record. I'm your host, Marika, and I'm a dietitian, nutritionist, and recovering perfectionist. Join me each week as I bring you raw and real conversations with inspiring men and women discussing matters in health and nutrition that are often swept under the rug. Sit back, relax, pour yourself a cup of coffee or a wine, and enjoy learning from conversations that help us to understand the messiness of what it means to be a healthy and balanced human. Alrighty, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Off the Record. Now, today's episode is slightly different again. This week, I have a co-host with me, which is super exciting. And today's co-host is Lisa Anderson, who is one of my dear, dear friends. We met many moons ago in a gym in Brisbane, and uh, I feel like you are the sister that I never had, so <laughs> I'm very excited to have you here on the podcast. Um, welcome, Lisa. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. So today we are talking about alcohol. Now, the purpose of this episode is to sort of dive into some conversations around um, choosing to drink and choosing not to drink. Um, and I guess the shame and the stigma that is associated with both sides of that conversation and also talking a little bit about health um, and any health risks or health benefits from consuming alcohol as well. The reason why I've also brought Lisa onto this podcast is just for a differing opinion as well. It's always good to get sort of two sides to a story, two different opinions. I think when it comes to um, matters, particularly like alcohol, when it is such a social thing as well. So I thought Lisa would be the perfect person to being a little social butterfly that you are, um, the perfect person to have this conversation with. (laughs) All I could think about though, Lisa, is when I was thinking about recording this episode with you is when you live with me for... (laughs) three months last year the amount of margaritas we went through (laughs) I legitimately remember that you guys had this store of vodka and gin and Dougie sort of saying to me like I don't think we've ever drunk this much alcohol ever since you've been here and it really made me check myself like oh my gosh (laughs) so I promise that's not the reason why you're on this episode I'm not here bringing you in as the (laughs) the alcoholic (laughs) to have a conversation um, it's purely just to have a conversation with somebody who I believe has such profound insights into so many matters. So thank you again for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm super stoked to, to be a part of this. And it's such an interesting conversation. I think we've kind of had um, bits and pieces around this before, and there's just so many different aspects of it um, that I find quite intriguing because like my journey with alcohol has been quite different and changed over the years with with my age as well um so it's interesting again to hear like your perspective and how it sort of intersects with um with everybody's life and sort of uh society on a bigger level yeah so tell us about your journey um in terms of your experience with alcohol either growing up and sort of now you know has your relationship with alcohol changed over time um or would you say it's the same as what it always has been it's definitely changed over time. Um, I think um, particularly when I was in high school and everything, it was quite normal to start drinking. When I say normal, I mean just normalized um, from quite a young age. So I think I probably started drinking when I was about like 14 um, and then like went through big party phase, sort of going to university and everything. And then into my early 20s, um, sort of had a bit of a battle with, Uh, an eating disorder and I think that really changed my way of viewing alcohol because for me then it became a part of the bad category 
um, and something that was um, just calories and something that also took away my aspect of control. So particularly when I um, moved from New Zealand to Australia, I was working full-time, going to uni full-time, um, and just not in a very good place mentally. So I basically cut out alcohol altogether because for me, again, it was that control aspect. Um, and it just was something that I never felt was, um, quote unquote healthy. Um, and then sort of my journey through, um, that disordered eating, um, and coming out onto a different side, um, of that where I feel like I'm more in control of those thoughts. I've been able to integrate alcohol into my life, um, more. I think I'm definitely would classify myself as a social drinker, um, and have, probably been um, through almost a bit of a party phase again, sort of like 2018 time. Um, and then my alcohol consumption has again changed with COVID. Um, so I think it's it's been this fluctuating journey that I've had um, through sort of really unhealthy periods and even probably times using it as a coping mechanism um, and now kind of feeling like I've got more of a handle on being able to just have a social drink or have one or two and um, not be so consumed with feeling like a, I'm not in control of the situation or b just being conscious of calories because my brain is telling me that it's a, um, a bad food. Mm. One thing I actually, um, am really proud of you when it comes to your recovery from your eating disorder as well is that I feel like when it comes to, um, like, you know, having known you and, and drunk with you on many occasions, um, one thing that I've noticed is that like you're not restrictive in the types of drinks that you're having as well, which I think is a really amazing thing. Cause a lot of people even coming out of an eating disorder would be like, Oh, well, I'm only going to drink, you know, like vodka lime sodas or seltzers and those sorts of things. But, yeah, you don't shy away from a margarita, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. And that, that is so true. I think even so much about diet culture, when you're looking at like your Cosmo magazines and, and all those sort of, um, I guess, female orientated uh, media will also always be talking about the kind of calories that um, you get from alcohol and the ones that you should choose to be calorie conscious. Mm. And again, it kind of comes into this thing of like, well, if you're having a drink, just have a drink. Yes, um, and that's you know, my approach to alcohol. <laughs> yeah, none of it's good for you. And, like, I, I don't shy away from a vodka soda, but it's kind of boring after a while. Like, try something else. If you're going to have a drink, then feel free to. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's, again, always been my approach with alcohol. Like, if I'm going to have something to drink, I want to really enjoy it because I don't necessarily enjoy alcohol that much. Um, and the more I think about it, the more I don't enjoy it a lot. But sometimes I really do. Uh, but I don't enjoy a vodka lime soda. That's for sure. Like I know that like straight out, that is not something I enjoy. So why would I have that just because it's the healthier option when I'm not getting anything from it when it comes to like a, um, I guess like a, a satiety sort of thing from a um, comfort thing. Like I'm not getting like any sort of comfort from like a nice glass of red wine. I'm getting a bit of comfort, a margarita. I'm getting like delicious taste and fun and um, all that sort of stuff. Whereas I feel like a vodka lime soda, I'm like, this t- <laughs> again I can't eat lime because I like lime I think you, I've told you this haven't I yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I drank that many vodka lime sodas growing up that I've ruined lime for me I can't have lime in any food because of vodka lime sodas 
I also saw somewhere that somebody described soda water like drinking TV static and now I can't not like see that or taste that when I'm having one. (laughs) I know it's so boring. Um, I've completely lost my train of thought there, but no, I'm, I am (laughs) very impressed with your, um, approach to alcohol. Would you say that your relationship with alcohol at the moment is a healthy one? Um, I would say so. Yeah. I think it's not something that I do every day. Um, I've always been kind of more of a, like have some drinks on the weekend type person. Um, I think though that it got to a point where that was kind of binge drinking essentially, and, but in my head, I was like, well, I'm not doing it during the week, so it's fine, um, which is a very interesting kind of mindset to sort of have about it. Um, but I think, again, kind of coming into COVID and, um, the, like, I guess getting a bit older, I think being so used to my body feeling good and being so health conscious that when I don't, um, or when I do have a couple of drinks, I can feel it. And so I'm kind of more inclined to steer away from it a little bit. Yeah. And so when I am going out for having a, like a boozy girl's lunch, like I will definitely let my hair down and, and like we're on, but I know I'm going to feel it the next day. And so I think I'm just getting to a point where I just like, oh, I'm too old to be hungover now. Like I just can't be bothered. <laughs> that is my feeling exactly. That being hungover is like, it's not worth it. I remember I heard my uncle say this and it would have been when I was like 12 or something at the time or maybe a bit older, but he said being, no, drinking is like stealing happiness from the next day. And I was like, oh, it really yeah. is. <laughs> oh no, sorry, borrowing happiness from the next day. So you get the extra happiness now but you yeah. lose it tomorrow. So it's like, that is so true. What a good way to put it. Yeah. And again, it makes you question like, okay, well, is it worth it? Because it's like, yeah, it might be. If you get that happiness now and you're going to enjoy it now, that's fine. But know that tomorrow that happiness you've already used up. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, well, I guess my relationship with alcohol and my um, – journey with alcohol is probably fairly similar minus the eating disorder. I think I, mine again, started fairly young, my intake of alcohol, which is obviously not a good thing. Um, but yeah, in high school, I feel, feel like everybody was drinking back in high school and I hope that it is changing, but I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother topic. Um, but I think that for me, um, and God forbid my mom's going to listen to this, um, <laughs> I'm just thinking this aloud. aloud. Um, but no, I was drinking in high school and I think this sounds really bad, but I think I drank so much in high school that, and like before I turned 18, cause I didn't turn 18 until I, so I'm a November baby. So it wasn't until the year being Queensland. Um, it wasn't until the year after I finished high school that I turned 18 and it wasn't until the end of that year. So by the time I actually turned 18, I think I was kind of over alcohol Um, and so I feel like I did have probably a dip in my alcohol intake from like, yeah, 18, 19, 20. And then again, um, picked up for a couple of years, had a few party years again at the, on the back of a, um, ending relationship and everything, you know, I feel like when you're single, things just pick up a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then I would say, yeah, the last few years, it really has started to die down, um, probably since I've been in Sydney. Um, and I'm now thinking on reflection, I wonder if that's because my social situation has changed a fair bit being here in Sydney, like having to form new friendships and everything um, and not feeling as connected as I probably was up in Brisbane there and having friends all the time that I was, um, 
you know, quite regularly socializing where I feel like I'm a bit more of a hermit these days. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I definitely am a social drinker. I don't really drink just at home by myself. I don't, I don't find it enjoyable. Um, And I don't like, for example, if I was going to, I'd probably want to have a nice glass of red wine, but then I have to open a whole bottle and that's just a waste. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that is so fair. And I think most people end up do attributing social situations with alcohol and then that's how it's kind of become integrated into so many people's lifestyle is when you're going and doing something alcohol is generally a part of it so when you think about Christmas long weekends birthdays anything that you're celebrating is generally attributed to having a drink with that because that's what makes it kind of the celebration and the fun sort of well the fun and quotation mark aspect of it. Yeah, I actually have a question for you. Is that the same in New Zealand? Because I know that you spent um, a lot of your childhood in New Zealand. You grew up in New Zealand. Is that the same there or is that an Australian thing? No, I'd say it's the same there. Um, I've definitely noticed when I came here, though, almost the stockpiling culture that happens prior to a weekend. It's like ever since there's a long weekend, everyone goes nuts. Um, And I remembered it happening and I was like, but it's open all weekend. Like I don't understand. And it's just – everybody kind of gearing up for a huge weekend. I'd say like that the drinking culture would be quite similar in New Zealand. Um, but I think I also haven't lived there for like 10 years now, so I'm probably speaking a bit out of school. But in terms of, you know, having access to it, um, being able to um, sort of have a lot of those social situations again when you're in high school, being around alcohol and partying and party culture, I would say it's quite similar. Yeah. And I think that's probably the biggest barrier um, for people to reduce their alcohol intake. And when I did a um, question box on social media about this um, podcast episode, that was probably the main barrier that people felt when it was around not necessarily getting rid of alcohol, but just even reducing their alcohol intake is that they felt that pressure to drink and also that they would be missing out on opportunities or missing out on like, particularly with like, and this came up a fair bit, like particularly with work, that they would be missing out on potentially like even things like promotions and those sorts of things because they are not, you know, be able, being able to go to work drinks on a Friday night, which is really, really sad. It is sad because it's like your your lack of participation in something should not hinder you from being able to like be in that same scenario or particularly have any advancements like with work or anything like that. Um, but I was even at a, a birthday lunch uh, about a month ago now, um, prior to COVID lockdown things when we did stuff. Um, <laughs> um, and one of the girls was doing um, like dry June. Um, and as soon as you kind of bring up the fact that you're not drinking, everyone's like, oh, why? You know, like, oh, mm. how are you feeling? Like, what, what's, what's the purpose for? Like, what, why are you doing that? Um, and I guess it, that just shows that we're so conditioned to feel like the drinking is the norm and not drinking is the other. Yeah, definitely. And I had a similar thing. It would have been nearly two years ago now. Um, I had these funny liver markers that just popped up um, and it sort of gave me a bit of a health scare that, you know, there's something wrong, but it turns out it was just like a, a infection or something. But for about a period of, I think it was three or four months, I had completely no alcohol whatsoever. And it was so shocking. The way that people responded when you said that you weren't drinking or, um, just like if the looks and those sorts of things that you'd say when you you were choosing not to take a drink, 
Um, and I definitely remember the first thing, not even being said, but like just the first feeling or like assumption that people made, particularly being a female who would have been about 28 at that time was you're pregnant. I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And people feel so bold as to ask that. It's like, oh, are you pregnant? Yeah. No, I just don't want to drink. But also if I am pregnant and I don't want to tell you, then like this yeah. is awkward. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think like people just um, – I don't think they mean to be rude or there'd be any malicious intent with, with their asking about that. It is just different. And so they want to know, but I think that it kind of brings into this debate where the people feel like they're being judged. If somebody is not drinking around them when them, they are choosing to, or whether they're feeling like that person won't be fun because they're not drinking. Yeah. And I think it's one of two. So I think it's, it's depending on the person, like it's either that they feel that, if by choosing not to drink that they're trying to be like the better person, if that makes sense. So they're like, oh, well, I don't drink. So I am like halo, like (laughs) over my head. Um, Whereas I think on on the flip side, the other sort of one is like, well, you can't have fun and like you will be boring if you don't drink. Um, And I actually had that happen. I had a wedding. It would have been five years ago now. It was a, a long time ago. And I, um, drove from Brisbane to Byron Bay for the wedding and was just driving back because I didn't, I couldn't be bothered getting accommodation and everything. I was very lazy. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember somebody actually said to me, I have no idea who it was, but I was on the dance floor at this wedding dancing away, again, pre-COVID times when you could actually yeah. dance. <laughs> um, but I was dancing on the dance floor and someone came up to me and said, oh, I thought you weren't drinking. And I was like, no, I'm not. They're like, oh, I just didn't think you'd be like up dancing and everything. And I was like, <sighs> requirement of the like having fun and dancing is like that I have to be drunk to do it yeah that that's really interesting that even something so small as dancing could only be considered something that you would do if you were drunk Mm. yeah yeah, it's like you also then question when people are sort of saying like oh you can't be fun if you're not drinking or I won't have fun if I'm not drinking it's kind of like well define fun what what does fun look like for you because if it's just doing dumb stuff like that's not necessarily I guess most people's idea of fun and I think I was telling you like I, I follow an account on an Instagram and I'm guilty of finding it quite humorous but it's literally just called drunk people doing things and it's just it's just the dumbest shit and it, like they've got people who legitimately get themselves hurt and that's not really like I don't find that funny but you see these people who are just so drunk that they can like barely stand or they're falling over and there's elements of it that are quite humorous but I'm like what well, is that is that what's fun like <laughs> is that what you want to do? Is it fun for yeah exactly and are you just worried that you're going to do that stuff and if I'm sober I'm going to see you and I'm going to remember is that is that what it is yeah it's a bit messed up when you think about it like that like is it just because yeah, somebody else is going to remember what you're doing when you're drunk. But the other thing, and I think that we've spoken about it before, is that like, well, is it about like you can't have fun because you can't be like, so alcohol being, I guess, a bit of like a um, social lubricant and uh, lowers your inhibitions a little bit, um, that it gives you like, I guess, the confidence to be vulnerable enough to have fun and to be able to sort of go like pull down your guard and go, oh, I'm, I can be myself and I can actually have fun in this social setting. Whereas if you hadn't had that alcohol, you've sort of got your um, guard up a little bit more and you're sort of like, oh, like, 
like how do I as an adult have fun? Because that is something that I think a lot of adults, <laughs> myself included, struggle with is like how do adults have fun? And so once we start drinking alcohol, it becomes a whole lot easier because we stop caring what other people think. Yeah, that, that is such a, such a good point. And everybody terms it as being, you know, having a bit of liquid confidence and whether that's being able to go up and have a conversation with someone that you're attracted to or have a hard conversation, everybody kind of looks at it as a way to, as you said, sort of like lubricate that situation to make them feel like they are more capable of doing that. And I guess that speaks to sort of human behavior and that sort of sense of like, well, why do we feel like we're so guarded that we can't be completely vulnerable or be ourselves in that situation unless we've, you know, punched a couple of wines back to be able to turn up? Mm, yeah, it, it's very interesting when you think about like that. And you, again, you can see why there is such, I guess, social pressure there. I think one of the other things for me that um, really led me to reconsider my relationship with alcohol and the amount that I was drinking um, was the anxiety. It's something that I definitely have experienced more and more as I've gotten older. Um, I don't think I remember getting it when I was sort of like in my early 20s. Um, but for those who haven't experienced it, anxiety is what I call like your hangover anxiety. So anxiety. And it's where the next day you just feel so anxious um, and you literally question everything that you've done. And I was doing a little bit of research into anxiety and, you know, what what is actually happening here. And I remember the first time that I ever really noticed it, it was because I was wearing my Fitbit um, the day after I was drinking. And I remember looking at my heart rate and it would have been like 12 hours after. Um, so it was like, you know, six o'clock at night, the following night. And I remember looking at my heart rate on my Fitbit and I was like, why is my heart rate so high? I've been lying in bed like a potato. Like, oh, <laughs> um, and then I looked back at like the the graph of my um, heart rate the entire day, and it's just it was I think it was like ninety or something beats per minute the entire day. Um, and I was like, oh, that's why I feel anxious. <laughs> my heart is actually like pounding in my chest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that was one of the things that was really like, oh, okay. Like it's not only doing this to how I'm feeling in terms of like, you know, alcohol being a depressant and then I guess making you just question all of the things in, even if I didn't do anything the night before, like, you know, you just question conversations that you had, like people that you saw, people that you spoke to. Um, and then also throw on the the fact that alcohol is a depressant there as well. And it does tend to lower your mood. Combine those with a rapid heart rate and you're not in for a good time. No, absolutely not. I agree in terms of probably only being a bit older when I experienced um, that anxiety. I know like I definitely didn't really have it when I was younger. It just wasn't really a thing. Um, I think everybody's sort of woken up and been like, oh, my God, I regret sending that message or I regret doing this. But in terms of that prolonged anxiety that you have after a night of drinking, I think I only really started to notice that when I was becoming more in tune with my health. And again, when I, my body was so used to feeling a certain way that when it didn't feel that way, my mind just went into overdrive. And maybe that for me as well was part of my disordered eating kind of kicking back into gear and sort of, again, questioning everything and worrying about um, all of the other aspects that often come with drinking, like the, all of the other food that you eat and not just the the things that you're, you're saying or doing. Or, um, it can kind of lead you down this path of just overthinking everything that has made you, um, you know, the night before have a lot of fun. But again, your guard was down. Now that your guard's back up, 
you're trying to understand, I guess, everything that happened the night before and nitpicking at everything that's happened. Mm, and it's just awful. And I think the other thing that I've noticed that plays into that is that typically when you're hungover, you've been sleep deprived as well. Um, and so I find sleep deprivation, like, you know, having a bad night's sleep already increases anxiety. So um, throw that on top of it. You're again, not in for a good time. So that was, again, definitely something for me that made me think, okay, well, you know, it's not worth sort of pushing over the limits when it comes to that. And again, I'm sitting here saying this, I'm not perfect. I'm going to (laughs) go drink six (laughs) margaritas with you when I can, when lockdown ends. So. Well, technically tequila is meant to be the only alcohol that's not a depressant. So, I mean, we're fine there. So I've heard this and I've never actually done the research into it. So please don't quote me on this, but I've heard this and I'm so here for it. <laughs> exactly. I can't, I can't guarantee it's a fact, but I'm running with it anyway. <laughs> Um, the next thing I want to talk about was uh, COVID and how that has changed our relationship with alcohol being a, a country as a whole. And I've got a little bit of um, statistics here. I'm going to be a bit boring for a second and talk about some of the stats from Australia when it comes to our intake with alcohol, because I actually found it quite interesting. I, and I don't know whether I misinterpreted the media, but I sort of thought that the media really put out that when COVID kicked off, that we started drinking a lot more, like Australians fell into a bigger drinking habit than what we had before, which is probably not a good thing. Um, Was that your interpretation of what the media was saying? Yeah, absolutely. There was definitely a lot of stats that they were talking about alcohol consumption had had gone up. But they were looking at, um, like, ComBank had released a lot of their stats that sort of showed that in March 2020, there was a massive increase in card spending on alcohol because I think everybody stockpiled thinking that it wasn't going to be an essential service and then it declined again when it came into April and we've all realised that, and that says something of itself, alcohol is an essential service within Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's a bit sad. Um, But the other thing I was thinking though is that like, yes, we spent more at bottle shops. So yeah, I was looking at ComBank data as well. We definitely spent more at bottle shops, but we were obviously spending so much less at bars and pubs and clubs because they were all closed for such a long period of time. So were we actually drinking more is like the real question because that's not actually showing consumption. It's showing what we spent money on. And there was like obviously a shift from spending money in bars and pubs and clubs and then spending it in bottle shops. So I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, well, that's actually a bit misleading just saying that we spent more money on alcohol because we actually didn't really, like we've just changed where we've spent it. Um, but so the statistic when it came to, there was a uh, research group that did some work in with surveys with Australians. And I'm just going to read the statistic here. <laughs> um, the, actually, no. So firstly, the statistic, the statistic I'm going to read soon is funny. Um, but <laughs> it says a lot about males and females. It's great. Um, but the statistic that I found most interesting was that, so, and this is what I heard in the news is that. of people increased their alcohol intake uh, with COVID, so with the lockdowns. So the 20% of us, so one in five of us started drinking more when it came to COVID. And that's, again, the statistic that I heard. But the flip side of that statistic is that 27% of Aussies said that they actually decreased their alcohol intake when COVID started and lockdown started. So I found that the media was a little bit misleading in that information because, yes, it is true that 20% increased, but more people actually decreased than they did increase. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think you made a really good distinction there of identifying it might not necessarily be the consumption of alcohol, but it's where the money is being spent. So naturally then when we have those restrictions that are put in place that lock us down and mean that we can't be going out to hospitality venues, no, we're not going and spending the alcohol money there, but it's just going to the bottle shops. So I like, and I even feel me personally, I think in the beginning of COVID, I definitely started using alcohol as a bit of a a crutch and was drinking more. And then as it kind of progressed on, I started drinking less. Um, And again, like not going out and all those sort of things um, has reduced that consumption again, because it takes away those social aspects where we have all of those interactions where we are then socially drinking. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And so the next statistic is um, around the reasons why. So those people who did increase their consumption, um, the next one is around why we increased our consumption. So I'm going to read the statistic out in full. Um, The most common reason for increased alcohol consumption was that the person was spending more time at home. So that was 67% of males said that and 64% for females said that the most common reason was because they're at home. Um, Makes sense. The second one is, so the next most common response for males was boredom, nothing else to do. So 49% of men said that that was the reason why they drunk. And then wait for this, females, the second reason. So the first reason being, again, that they're spending more time at home. The second reason for females was increased stress. Yeah. Like, Does that not just show like, so both of the, the male and the female are spending more time at home. The men are bored. The females are stressed. Yeah, absolutely. I ha- like. I definitely have to admit, though, even last weekend, being in lockdown and COVID, the sun was out, and I was like outside reading my book. I'm like, when is it too early to make myself a drink? Like, <laughs> there's nothing else to do. I am bored. Might as well just start drinking. And that's such a like. For me, I think of that as being not necessarily a very healthy mindset to have, but it does show that that human behavior, um, I guess, component of it is being like, well, nothing else to do. Might as well get on it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Might as well get on it. Um, so the next thing is around what is actually healthy? Cause one of the questions that came up is, is it actually healthier to completely abstain from alcohol or should we be having moderate amount of moderate amounts of alcohol? Because what I've heard, um, being in the health sector, and I think it's been again, translated, um, quite broadly across the media as well, is that, you know, having a glass of red wine and those sorts of things is actually good for you um, and that you not necessarily like need to completely cut alcohol out, but small amounts of alcohol provide a benefit in moderation. So there was a few people asking questions around, well, is that true? Is it best to have a small amount? Like, and I guess it was people more worried that they were complete like teetotalers that were like, well, should I be drinking alcohol? Um, anyway, I looked into the updated, um, guidelines for alcohol because they've changed them just in the last couple of years and I'm actually shocked so it was previously two standard drinks um per day for men and women at maximum and they've changed it now so it's the the guidelines for alcohol consumption in Australia are to drink no more than 10 standard drinks um in a week and no more than four standard drinks on any day which seems oh. a real a lot like really generous <laughs> Yeah, and you again, you've got to cut out, like, what does healthy there mean? Because when you're there, talk about sort of being able to have some red wine and it being, like, good for you in terms of, like, heart health and all those kind of things. I'm like, I just feel like there's better things you could do for your heart than drink red wine. And it's like, well, what what makes that the, the healthy 
or deemed a healthy amount to be consuming and then what makes it then unhealthy. So yeah, that's where I looked into the research further because there was a paper that came out a couple of years ago from The Lancet which said that their like sort of tagline statement that went out against the media was that there's no healthy amount of alcohol to consume. Um, so I was looking a bit further into that and sort of what they concluded from that study. And essentially what they were saying is that there was no, so based on like a standard drink, there was no healthy amount to consume from a standard drink and above. Um, so the interesting thing there is that below a standard drink, there was a slight benefit in terms of reducing risk of cardiovascular disease. Um, but the reason why they then came out and said, well, there's no healthy amount is because it's actually less than one standard drink that um, I think it was one standard drink a day on average. So it was 0.75 or something like that um, a day that was uh, showing to have health benefits in terms of cardiovascular disease. But that's not then mistaking that there still is other risks associated with alcohol consumption. Um, and I think it really comes down to here is like the amount that you're consuming the uh, the types of alcohol that you are consuming. And exactly like you said, like if you look trying to look after your heart, there's a lot better things that you can do <laughs> than drink red wine. Like, And one of the reasons red wine is good for your heart is because of the antioxidants, the resveratrol that's in it. Um, and that you can get from grapes. So it comes from grapes. You can get that from grapes. You can get that from other um, dark like dark purple uh, fruits, so things like blueberries as well. So it's like, is the red wine really an essential component here or are we just like trying to kid ourselves? Yeah, we're just – I mean, I'm all for it. (laughs) I think we're just really fitting a square peg into a round hole there. It's like that whole argument about when they put like charcoal into bread and all that kind of stuff, it has all those benefits. Like, yeah, but how much bread do I have to eat to get the benefits of the charcoal? Like, well, maybe you could just be finding a different way to be consuming those antioxidants rather than getting it from alcohol. Absolutely. And so I think that the point here is that it's it's not that they, you have to consume alcohol. So if you are somebody who does not consume alcohol and does not want to and does not ever want to, I think that that's a very healthy thing to do. And I think that the research would back up that as an incredibly healthy thing to do. On the flip side, though, is that I don't think that we should shame people or judge people for choosing to have small amounts of alcohol because of the um, the social context as well that it plays within our lives. And I think that that needs to be considered um as part of health as well, that, you know, having a social life and unfortunately alcohol does play a big role in our social lives. And yes, you can absolutely like, you know, change your social um, groups and all of these sorts of things, but that's, that's a hard thing to do um, whilst you're transitioning out of consuming alcohol to completely just change your entire life. So I think that again, it's weighing up the risks and the benefits here of what is alcohol, like what purpose is alcohol serving in your life? And, um, one of these papers had a really good um, point that they pulled out about like the whole no alcohol and they had a quote around um, driving and they said that there's no safe level of driving. Like driving cars is a dangerous thing to do, but governments don't go out and say, well, nobody can drive. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a really good point. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's going to find a way. Like people are going to do it regardless. So it's finding a way then I guess that they can moderate it to ensure that they're doing it in the safest way possible given the fact that people are going to drink. But you got to then wonder, 
kind of like you're saying, around the shame that's associated with not drinking. How many people would have actually got into drinking if there wasn't social pressure around them, particularly as an adolescent, to be sort of like everybody else and to be drinking? And that the the stigma that's associated with somebody who is choosing to be the other. Yeah, definitely. And again, I wonder the same about myself. I wonder whether if there wasn't such a drinking culture that I would have chosen. Because again, like the more I'm sort of, if I really think to like what's true to me, it is not drinking very frequently. Like again, it's not complete. I would never, ever go alcohol free. Um, That's just not me. I enjoy it. Um, but it's really not drinking frequently. And like right now I'd probably go a couple of months without having alcohol and that, that feels really good for me. And then I'd have like a night where I'm catching up with friends and yeah, do a boozy lunch or something like that. Um, so yeah, no, I do agree with that. I forgot completely what you were saying though. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's like those, those social pressures, um, yes. like particularly like for young people that are sort of coming up and they're wanting to fit in anyway. And they're going through so much, particularly when you look at like you're going through your high school years where you're going through puberty, you're trying to fit in, you're trying to figure out who you are and you're going through all these things to be the person who says, no, I'm not drinking automatically means that you're again, segregating yourself out from the norm. And so I just wonder then if we didn't have those social stigmas associated with being slightly different or, um, you're kind of part of the cool group Mm. if you are drinking how many people would actually be consuming alcohol and it's the fact that we've just normalized putting this toxin into our body that has made it such a part of our culture yeah and I wonder what we can actually do about that like I think that's just I guess a really slow re-education of around that it's okay to choose not to drink and that we really do need to normalize being okay with other people choosing not to drink and still being invited to the social situation. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it, it, it is that sort of, um, that feeling that everybody will be judging you for making that choice. But even on the flip side of that, like we've kind of spoken about, I think people are also worried about being judged because somebody else is making that choice not to drink. It's like, well, if everybody just does what they want to, don't worry about what other people are doing. It doesn't actually matter. It doesn't impact your life. Yeah, definitely. And I think it comes down to sort of feeling really confident in your decision. Like even if it's just one night that you're choosing that, you know, you don't want to drink tonight, but you know everybody else is, that being really confident that that's your decision and your choice and that it doesn't matter what anybody else says or does. It doesn't have to change your choice. Um, and I mean, you, if you choose to change your decision throughout the night, that's also fine. But if you don't want to, that be confident in that decision and that it doesn't matter what other people think of you, that that says more about them than it does about you. Um, and I think that that for me was probably the thing that sort of led me to have more confidence is just being okay with being, you know, other people might feel uncomfortable with me not drinking, but that's not my problem. Yeah, 100%. I wish I had you to tell me that when I was in my non-drinking phase in my early 20s because I definitely felt that pressure to be like everybody else and to be the one who was also drinking. But for me at that time, my mental health just would not allow that for me. It was not something that I wanted. It was not something that I wanted to do to my body. And feeling then like internally like I was struggling so much with that already and then having the social pressure of feeling like I was being judged for the fact that I wasn't doing this was such an internal confliction that if I had been able to have someone just sort of say like it actually doesn't matter like it's fine would have probably made a huge difference Mm. yeah and I think that it's just yeah having that confidence to say 
to yourself as well because if you're sort of sitting there hesitating like oh like is this the right thing to do will people like will I fit in will I not fit in that it's so easy to be swayed then um and the thing again that I've found is that the like the more like the more times you do it, the easier it becomes. So like if you are regularly becoming the person who is not, you know, or is turning down alcoholic drinks, eventually people will get used to the fact that you're just not a big drinker and it becomes much easier with time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you also all like people who tend to go in sort of the on and off sort of cycles of drinking as well, who they'll have these eight-week periods or six-week periods or however long that they want to that they go without drinking um, and kind of do these fasts or cleanses, um, also tend to be the ones who come out the gate really hot on the other side, kind of going back into drinking. And, again, it's, it kind of comes back to this idea of what is our relationship with alcohol? How do we want to be integrating it? What does it mean to us and what does it mean to not have it as a part of our lives? Mm, yeah, it's such an interesting way of putting it. Um, and what, what, yeah, what benefit is it serving in our life and what harms is it causing in your yeah. life as well? Yeah. Because um, that's what I would say is to people, like if you are trying to work out whether you need to reconsider your relationship with alcohol, like is asking yourself, like how is it making you feel really? Like is it, and like I said, like, alcohol is borrowing happiness from the next day. So you're probably not going to feel great the next day, like if you have a big night. But the, I guess the total sum of your experiences should be positive. And if it's not, then it probably is time to reconsider your relationship with alcohol or, you know, if you're regretting it every time that you're doing it or you're using alcohol obviously to avoid like hard feelings or um, avoid, you know, difficult things, then that's definitely a time to reconsider your relationship with alcohol. Yeah, 100%. And kind of having the ability to almost not only just self-awareness, but have a really hard conversation with yourself of how is this serving me and what am I actually doing? If I'm disappearing into the bottom of the bottle because I don't want to face some you know, hard feelings that I'm having or I'm using this as a coping mechanism, what is it that I need to then be changing that's actually the problem that I'm just using the alcohol to band-aid over? Mm, yeah, which is not an easy question to answer for no, many. No, yeah, that's um, that's un- uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, onto something a bit lighter when it comes to alcohol. There is fortunately a lot of alcohol-free options that are popping up these days, which I find personally quite exciting because it does make you feel like you are being involved still. Um, you know, by using an alcohol-free wine, and I don't think it's like. I remember when I used to think of alcohol-free wine, I used to think of my grandma's place on Christmas Day. She'd have these like, I can't remember what they're called, but those apple like spritz, like cidery type alcohol. Yes. Yeah. Apple, yeah. Apple, apple tizer, is it? Or apple t- I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah. Sparkling grape juice. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, so that's always my thoughts of alcohol-free um, options, but there is a lot more exciting alcohol-free options out there these days. Um, which I think is a really good shift towards reducing our alcohol intake and also helping people to feel socially comfortable in these settings. Um, one of the questions I did get a lot was like, what are these options are, I guess, healthy and what are not so healthy? Um, and the more I've looked into it is they're all like, there's not too many like really high sugar options coming out. So unfortunately, like a lot of like the wines and those sorts of things, because they've been dealkalized they're actually like lower calorie and lower sugar than a lot of your standard ones as well um 
the only things that I would say is like that are sort of like, guess the less healthy options is if you're just drinking like 10 cups of Coke before, <laughs> instead <laughs> of drinking like <laughs> your red wine or whatever it is. Like, and that's where I guess, like, if you're going from a purely health perspective, like one glass of red wine or 10 cups of Coke, um, you, you sort of got to weigh up the options there. Um, but yeah, like things like kombucha, like the sugar-free wine, sorry, not the sugar-free ones, the, um, a dealkalized wine, um, any sugar-free, uh, soft drinks and those sorts of things. Um, a lot of mocktails these days are made like on like, um, <laughs> TV static and, <laughs> um, <laughs> like muddled, um, so that's TV static being our, uh, soda water and like muddled with mint and, um, passion fruit and all those sorts of things. So they're actually pretty healthy. A lot of alcohol-free options. So I think that um, people shouldn't worry too much about the sugar content or the, um, yeah, the health, healthfulness, healthfulness of their (laughs) alcohol-free options, because the chances are that they're going to be healthier than the alcohol containing option. The only thing I'd say is like, if you are having something like a, um, yeah, like a, a Coke or a Fanta or whatever it is, is that it's obviously easier to drink it faster when it's got no alcohol in it. So like I said, like you could easily sort of guzzle down 10 cups of Coke. Whereas if you're having a wine, it's something that you'd probably sip on over the course of an evening or over the course of at least, you know, 30 to 60 minutes. Um, so just being mindful of, I guess, the quantity that you're having there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the availability and accessibility to a lot of the alcohol-free options are also becoming a lot more common. Like you're seeing breweries that are popping up that are making alcohol-free beer and that's all they offer. And most restaurants that you go to these days will have mocktail options there so that you can still have something that looks a bit like special um, but doesn't have that alcohol component to it. So maybe that's also a nice way of being able to feel like you're integrating without being seen as that person who is on the out by having something that looks like you're still partaking. Mm, And I think it's just such a nice like feeling just having a nice drink, like having something to hold, particularly in like a social setting, like having something to hold. Maybe it's just me, but like it's a comfort thing, like having something to do with your hands. I'm such a hands talker that (laughs) I I feel like I, I need something in my hands in social settings. Otherwise it's just all hell breaks loose. My anxiety goes out of control. (laughs) yeah absolutely um any other thoughts on alcohol that we haven't covered lisa um i think it's just probably going to be interesting to sort of see particularly with uh covid like the impacts that that will have on people's relationships with alcohol sort of in a longer term basis like if people are used to being at home more often and we're going in and out of these lockdowns, what is that going to result in for the hospitality industries and our nightclubs and and drinking culture and all that kind of thing? Will it spike back up when we are allowed to to go back in there or are people going to be more normal, uh, well, sorry, have a more normalised relationship with just drinking at home and what that looks like on a long-term basis? And particularly for youth coming up now, if we're taking them away from Um, a lot more of those social settings where drinking is a part of it, maybe then it will be creating this relationship uh, with alcohol that is different because they don't have an option anymore. Mm. And this is a whole nother podcast altogether, but the other, I guess, conversation here is around drugs and what is the, I guess, transition um, with, I feel like the rise in the use of drugs as well. Mm. Um, And then particularly in the young generations, uh, is that impacting on the consumption of alcohol? And is that obviously a, a good thing? I would say no. Um, but 
yeah, is that is that one of the reasons why we're drinking less is because that we are transitioning to using drugs more. Um, and so then do we need to start changing this conversation then also around to drug use and, you know, minimizing that? Because I think that one of the things that has happened um, in positive light of alcohol over the past sort of 10, 15 years, um, you know, from the time that we sort of started drinking till now is that the cost of alcohol has become absurd. Um, so it's really hard for people who are not earning a good wage to be able to drink a lot of alcohol, particularly going out and particularly like your premixes and those sorts of things. So it becomes a lot less accessible with the goal then being that, you know, we're not going to drink as much. Um, but unfortunately, if there's a will, there's a way. And that way, I think for some people has been transitioning into um, things like illicit drugs, unfortunately. Potentially. And for, for a lot of people, drugs and alcohol just go hand in hand. Like a lot of party culture is essentially both those two components. Um, so that, that would also be, again, like you're saying, that's a whole other podcast in terms of drug culture. Um, but it definitely, for a lot of people, those two things are just so normal to do on a regular basis and you do them together. Whether it's a festival, if you're going to a gig, all of that kind of stuff is generally tends to be party drugs and alcohol. Mm. And again, it just makes me think like, do these people know what it feels like not to feel like shit? Like, (laughs) 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 just like, I just, I could not do it to myself. (laughs) I would just feel so shit. Like, just feel so, again, like you were saying earlier, like once you start feeling good in your body and feeling healthy and everything that you're just like, it's not worth feeling shit. (laughs) (laughs) So even like a hangover is bad enough. And I'm like, oh, God, can you imagine? Like, yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> if anything's going to make a hangover worse, it's a come down. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on that note, um, on a very serious note, though, if you do need further support and help around your alcohol consumption, um, you can contact Alcoholics Anonymous on 1300 222 or Lifeline on 131114. Um, those options are always there for support. But thank you so much, Lisa, for co-hosting this episode with me. I am so grateful to have you here. Thank you for having me. This is such an awesome conversation to be a part of. Thank you again. And thank you to everybody for tuning in and listening to this week's episode. I hope you have enjoyed it and I would love for your feedback on this episode. If you enjoyed the co-hosting situation, let me know because there is potential to do some more co-hosting with Lisa if you love her, (laughs) because I certainly do. Uh, And again, always love your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts and make sure that you are following on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you so much, guys. And thank you, Lisa. We will catch you next week. Thanks, team.